welcome to a better lifestyle i am your host richard and i will be with you throughout this journey this show is here to empower individuals to do more in life professionally you will find a variety of topics that will help you to be more productive and more successful so join me and the professionals from different industries as we bring education and knowledge for more success. Hi, if this is your first time listening to the show and you like it, please at the end, give it a review, share the episode or the podcast with someone who you think would like it. And to all my faithful listeners, thank you for keep on listening. And if you could please do the same, share the episode or the podcast, it would be very appreciated. So on that note, thank you and let's get started. Hi, everybody. My name is Richard Lesperance and I go by the name of My Man Richard. Welcome to A Better Lifestyle. Today, we're going to talk about uh, real estate and I have uh, the pleasure to have Brian Grimes with me. Uh, he's doing a lot of great stuff in the real estate, so uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, please, Brian, tell everybody who you are and uh, give us a little bit of a resume of uh, how'd you get started in the real estate and where you are today, your journey. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a, a long journey. I'm, I'm Brian Grimes, um, more more or less a real estate mentor now and still a developer. Um, my journey. I mean, started off with basketball. So I grew up in Philadelphia in that Allen Iverson era. Was a basketball kid. Grew to be about six four, six five by thirteen. Nationally ranked. First high school game was against like LeBron. Um, they flew us out to Akron, Ohio, to play uh, him. And it's been, um, you know, basketball kind of took me all over the country, all around the world, and landed me at Columbia University. I'm wearing my my Columbia blue uh, for this interview, uh, but. Um, as I went to Columbia, I, I tapped into a lot of different mentors, people who had you know, been in sports uh, in their younger days and were now into to business. So I started learning more about uh, business. One of my, my mentors is uh, in the real estate space, the commercial real estate space. He's business partners with you know, the Magic Johnsons or TD Jake, some bigger celebrities, Alicia Keys, Jay-Z's. He just does a lot of commercial deals. And um, he gave me a lot of my business principles uh, for real estate. But I started like, you know, most of us start off, which is saving money, working a nine to five, hustling and bustling, and just trying to save up enough money to get that first deal. So I, I went down that path of um, self-taught, like teaching myself about real estate, learning from the school of hard knocks, saving up money to put in. I got a, a few deals. And then I wanted to learn more about like full gut renovation and how to do that. So I went out got burned by a contractor for 40 grand and then, you know, figured out the game, basically learning on the fly, uh, which I don't recommend these days because it's so much more expensive than mentorship. But, um, you know, that was kind of the walk of my journey and how I got in. I started at the desk at the nine to five and just transitioned my way into real estate full time. Okay. So uh, what are the what are the challenges that you face during uh, your journey and how did you overcome them? I think the challenge, the biggest challenge that you'll face is understanding that you, you can't stop at the first no. 
Like um, you have to be childlike with this. Like I have a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And if I tell them, I might tell them no 50 times a day. And they're just like, uh-huh. And they'll keep doing it and keep doing it until they get their yes. And a lot of us, we we lose that uh, over the course of life as we get older. Um, sometimes you you hear that first no and people are just like, oh, I guess real estate's not for me. The lender said no. Um, my credit score is too low or X, Y, Z, and they'll stop. I learned that the first no is just that um, barrier to entry. It's just that roadblock that most people won't cross over. And if you continue to ask and continue to press and keep pushing yourself until you get those yeses, you'll you'll um, start to separate yourself from the pack. And that's how you continue to get ahead. So I think it's just, you know, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and understanding that that first no is just, you know, it's just a test to see if you really want to stick with this or not. Okay. Uh, what's uh, uh, in in your bio, it says uh, uh, you're uh, talking about your approach for 2023 in uh, real estate. What would be someone's approach in uh, 2023 for someone getting into real estate? I think 2023 is a, it's an interesting year because prices are pulling back and there's kind of like a, a window, at least on, on the state side, but definitely um, on your side of, of the woods as well. There's kind of like a window with interest rates kind of increasing in the short term, but they're projected to go back down uh, long term. And then we have this uh, other side of the gap where prices are pulling back in most of these markets. So what it's doing is it's a creating it's creating a window where prices are going to be low temporarily and then rates are going to come back down while prices are low then there's going to be a window of opportunity to go in and grab a property once you get into 2024 2025 uh, as rates continue to creep back down prices are going to go back up in response to that and that window is going to close so right now if you're a new investor it's a good time to just be scanning the market constantly honing your skills um, putting capital away, getting ready to buy a deal, uh, because the market is not going to pull back as much as you know has been predicted by some of the national uh, media outlets. Most of these markets will pull back five, ten percent, maybe fifteen percent um, in in some of these major cities, and it's just creating that that window of opportunity. I also think you know as we're going into recessions, we've kind of been in a recession, in my opinion. Affordable housing is like remains king. In this market. So if you're looking for a way to invest, especially as a buy and hold investor to build cash flow, look into affordable housing, government voucher uh, opportunities where you can create that form of housing, because during times of recession, people choose cheaper alternatives. So those who are out there building this type of housing just have an insatiable demand for that product. So you can get very wealthy uh, building into that. Okay. You talk about a strategy that you use to uh, in your real estate business. Talk to us about that. Yeah, there's the the co-living strategy. So um, some people think of it as just like shared housing. There's all these different names for it. I, I um, have kind of clung to the, the co-living strategy, but this is where we would take a property like a single family starter home, which is three beds, one bath, maybe 1,200 square feet or, or so. And we will full gut renovate that down to the four walls, rebuild it as three master suites, three beds, three bathrooms. And the only way to get to the bathroom is through the bedroom. So it's truly like a series of master suites that share a common space, the kitchen and a small like 
eat-in type of living room. And what it does is it can take a property that would rent for like twelve fifty as a three bed, uh, one bath, twelve fifty a month, and you can rent each suite out for seven, eight hundred dollars a month. So it'll increase that footprint to twenty two hundred, twenty three hundred a month. So this is a way where most of us can two or three x our cash flow on the typical asset, and it creates workforce housing. There are millions of people who are living on their parents' couch or in the basement because they can't afford that starter rent for like a single family property or a two or three bed apartment, but they can share this space and get that quality living um, at an affordable price point. So it's still within that affordable workforce housing space, but it's just a different way to do it. Uh, is that the, I don't know how you say it. Is that the BR strategy? No. Oh, birth strategy. Yeah. The, yeah. the birth strategy which is um, buy, um, renovate, uh, rent. So put a tenant in, refinance your way out of that, pull all your money back out of that deal, and then repeat that process. And this does fit the birth strategy because it's bringing in more cash flow into the picture. These lenders are going to lend you money, even in the form of a refinance, based on the, uh, the debt service of the property. There's a ratio there. So if you bring in more income, And you're increasing the value of the property because now you're not three bed, one bath, you're three bed, three bath, which means your property should be uh, from an appraiser standpoint worth whatever the most expensive, the best comp for a three bed, one bath is your property should be at that or higher because you're three bed, three bath. It allows you to unlock a lot of value for this birth strategy and service that debt with more cash flow. So it, it, it truly does unlock the, the birth strategy. Mm. Uh, talk to us about uh, C-class neighborhoods. Yeah, C-class neighborhoods are different. So a lot of us, um, when we think about investing, there's a like fear of the what we call like the hood, and everybody has one all over the world. There's um, I I say in every good neighborhood, there's kind of a bad section, but in every bad neighborhood, there are good sections. So. When you think about the C class, this is where the cap rates are better, the cash flow is better. Um, there's more opportunity, but there's also more blight, um, abandoned houses, boarded up houses, more crime, um, at least statistically. And it presents different challenges, but also opportunity. There's more inventory for people who know how to full gut renovate. So I'm pretty diehard about investing in C class neighborhoods. One, I grew up in a C class neighborhood in Philly. So I like going back into uh, communities that need development and rebuilding them. I think there's a big reward for doing that from a, a social impact standpoint. But also, um, you you get compensated handsomely. The, the C-class is like a blank canvas. If I go into center city of anywhere, there's very little inventory. If I go into C-class neighborhoods anywhere, I could buy four or five properties within a two-block radius of each other. So now I can get economy of scale while I'm doing my renovations and building. It's much more profitable to build there. You get the blank canvas if you're looking to full gut renovate and build co-living. And then you have this affordable housing demand uh, that you can tap into at scale. You can do 50, 100 deals a year in the C-class. So it just unlocks value. What is uh, Section 8? Section 8 is uh, on the state side is for uh government housing so it's basically like low income housing you'll see a lot of 
single mothers with with um you know ki- children that will qualify for this and it's basically just a form of affordable housing where the government steps in and will pay large portions of the rent they're typically paying anywhere from 70 to 100% of the rent so any property can qualify as long as uh you get a inspection done by a section 8 inspector and the house is up to like hud housing standards so just scrape and paint move and ready type of standard and it's it can be really good if you know how to navigate it because you can get tenants where the government's paying the rent. You're not chasing people for money. That money's coming in, rain, sleet, hail, or snow on the first of the month, direct deposit it into your account. So it can take a lot of the fear out of um, being a landlord away from people. There is a stigma to Section 8, but I teach my people how to underwrite tenants at a different level. Uh, because when you're dealing with extremely low income tenants, almost everyone has bad credit to a degree. So you have to learn how to underwrite people, not uh, their credit score in that sense. And there's a different process to that. So um, once you kind of navigate that and hone in on that, it becomes extremely profitable. So how does someone uh, someone who wants to get in the, in the real estate game with uh, how does someone with no cash and no credit get in the game? Creative financing, right? So I wish I had learned about creative financing when I initially got started. I mean, when I first got started, I was like everybody else, just saving up money to put down, you know, 20% down payments. But what you'll learn in this game is no matter how much you have or how much you can save, you're going to run out of money if you keep parking capital in deals. So what creative financing allows you to do is to target motivated sellers. These are people who are going to lose their properties anyway. There are Roughly, there are a little over 2 million foreclosures every year in America, you know, and not counting other markets across the world, but just in the US, 2 million foreclosures. Those are people who are going to lose their properties anyway. So once you learn how to identify them, reach out to them and present them with different solutions to uh, correct the past due payments and, and basically monetize the existing debt on the property monetize that existing mortgage, you can acquire properties without having to qualify with a bank, without needing a bunch of cash, without needing any credit, because you're just taking over someone's existing mortgage and then repositioning the property maybe as like a rent to own to somebody else who doesn't have the credit to qualify with a bank. So you're you're essentially um, structuring deals so that you can serve as the bank and manage the existing debt that's already on the property that someone already qualified for. So learning these advanced creative financing strategies will allow anybody, even if you're not starting off with a ton of cash or credit, to get into real estate, get a bunch of deals, build cash flow. And then as you build more cash and capital, you can get into the birth strategy and other like buying and flipping and other advanced strategies as well. What would be some uh, some tips for someone who wants to invest outside of their of their hometown? Yeah, investing out of town is becoming like the thing to do. I mean, it's you know, I live in in New York. I invest in Philly, uh, Baltimore, Delaware, uh, South Jersey, and, and uh, Texas, and um, so I'm I'm all about like investing out of town, right? Investing out of town is something that we all should look into because we're we're alive at this point in time where there's all this technology. Like if you tried to do this in the 80s, you couldn't because you didn't have the smartphones, you didn't have the tech, you didn't have the cameras. Now you have all these things at your fingertips, all these apps. So if you can build a team uh, in, a, in a pocket 
of your country or of a, of a city or a few state lines away where the real estate prices are like one third or one fifth of where they are in your backyard, you now create a situation where your money goes five times further or three times further. And that allows you to grab multiples more real estate with the same amount of money that you have. In order to do it, you have to build uh, what I call like a boots on the ground system. You need people in the area where you're going to invest that are serving as those boots on the ground. They're running around with their smartphones, taking videos, showing up to job sites, doing round robin inspections and giving you that visual representation as if you were there. So this is something I break down in my course in like great detail, uh, but it's a it's just a process. It's a system that I've built out. Um, I have people that are in my mentorship program that I'm teaching this to that live in you know Ontario, live in Toronto and are investing in the US. They're investing in Philly through these types of boots on the ground systems. Mm. Uh, what are some of uh, the mistakes you made uh, during your whole journey in the real estate game? I mean, there's, there's almost so many. Um, and I, I say like, I tell all my mentees, like, I'm glad that I created a mentorship program because it gives value to these mistakes. Some of these mistakes are just boneheaded and just cost you tons of money and you feel like there's no value to them. But now there is because I can teach others how to not make them. So it, it gives more meaning to them. I say the biggest mistake that we all make when we're getting started is we uh, we think we can trust other people or contractors to manage things for us. And we assume that because someone can build a house, this is the biggest mistake in real estate. The assumption that because a contractor can build a house, that they're a good money manager. That's the biggest mistake. There are two different disciplines and I've managed money for millionaires like professionally. Asset management is a discipline. Building houses is a discipline. This is skill set. Being able to do one does not qualify you necessarily to do the other. So a lot of people will get burned by general contractors because the GC will set up some type of scenario where you have to put down, you know, they're we're going to bid it out. You're going to put down 25% deposit up front then another 25 in two weeks and 25 and 25. And you're essentially advancing this money to a general contractor without knowing whether or not they're good at managing money. And most of these guys aren't. They can't even manage their own personal finances. If you paid them five grand a month, they would spend it. If you popped up the next month and said, hey, here's 20 grand. I'm going to pay you 20 grand a month now. They'll spend the whole 20. They'll still be broke on the first of the next month because they don't have money management principles. So um, once you learn that, you learn how to control the money on projects, how to buy materials directly, how to pay labor by the day or by the week, and how to track your project and manage it as if you were the GC, because no one will be a better money manager uh, with your money than you, especially as an investor. So that's the biggest mistake is um, advancing money to contractors who aren't necessarily good asset managers, then they blow the money and then they disappear. They run off to the next person who can advance the money. And then your project never gets done. Uh, what are some stuff that you're working right now at the, at the moment? Geez, I'm working on almost 10 full gut renovations um, right now, um, in mostly in Baltimore and Philadelphia. Um, so I'm always working on projects. I'm always uh, doing phone sales and um, dealing with issues. put I call it putting out fires. Like your job as a developer is to put out fires all day. So I'm just constantly staying tapped in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on 
uh, projects with my mentees. I'm planning a ride along to take some of my mentees through Philly and show them the ropes and step, uh, you know, boots on the ground inside of some of these projects. So I'm just always working. I'm one that, you know, if I don't have a deal going on at any given time, I just go stir crazy. Mm. All right. So with everything we've talked about, what would you be your last words concerning the real estate game? Uh, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy the real estate and wait. Buy it and wait. Get the tax write-offs. Collect the appreciation. Collect the cash flow. Um, you'll never feel ready to invest in real estate if you haven't done it yet. You'll never feel ready. You'll never feel knowledgeable enough. And you don't need to know everything to get started. You just need to know the logical next step to get to your deal. Once you keep taking those steps and you finally get to the back end of your first deal and get that tenant in place and the cash flow, now all you have to do is do it 100 times more and you'll have 100 more properties. So just work your way through one deal and that will tee you up to do the next 50 to 100. Start off small. Uh, starting off small is the fastest way to get big in real estate. So just start off with that one deal. Uh, where can people find you on uh, social media or the internet? Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. You can find me on YouTube, Brian Loves Cashflow. Uh, and that's easy to remember because I love cash flow. So Brian loves cash flow on YouTube, um, on Instagram, Brian Grimes underscore 247 CFU for the 24 seven cash flow university. You can find me on TikTok at Grimes estate at Grimes estate on TikTok. Uh, you can, you know, Google Brian Grimes explains. You'll find a lot of my content. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Brian Grimes real estate and all of that back channels to my free real estate training. That'll show you how to acquire properties for pennies on a dollar. Uh, all across the country. You don't want to miss out on that free offer. And that will track you to www.workwithgrimes.com uh, forward slash cash flow, workwithgrimes.com forward slash cash flow. And once again, that'll tap you into the free training that'll show you how to acquire properties for pennies on a dollar all across the country, all across the states. You don't want to miss out on that free offer. Thank you for listening. If there's any topics you would like me to touch, feel free to reach out to me and I'll do my best to make it happen. I'm on most social media platforms and you could send me an email. You will find the links in the show notes. And also don't forget if this is your first time listening to the podcast and you like it, please don't forget to subscribe at the end. Thank you and see you next time.